Hello and welcome to the Friday, June 25th, 2021 edition of On Iowa Politics. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And with me today are Tom Barton of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. Amy Rivers of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, James. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper Statehouse Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. And Gazette Opinion Editor Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics wherever you find your podcast. First up today, Reynolds' numbers improve. On the heels of an Iowa poll showing Governor Kim Reynolds' approval, numbers are up 7% from March to 54% this month. I expect we'll be hearing her re-election announcement soon. Surprise, surprise. Iowa voters cited her common sense handling of COVID-19, opening schools, the availability of the COVID-19 vaccination, businesses returning to pre-pandemic operations, a conservative policy agenda that included limits or ban, if you prefer, on teaching critical race theory, a back the blue bill targeting protesters and more opportunities for charter schools. Uh, Todd, uh, based on your recent columns, I'm guessing you're not among the 54% who gave Reynolds a positive rating. Well, just, I, I was just a wild I was, guess. I was not polled, so I don't. I really don't even know how to answer that. I mean, so well, you know, it's it's between me and my pollster, uh, if I had one. Uh, you know, it's it's not so surprising. I mean, we, the, you know, the pandemic is waning, at least, you know, hopefully for now, and that will continue to make progress. People are feeling good about that. They're, they're feeling good about the economy. Uh, the weather's warm, the sky is blue, the, the trees are, have all bloomed. So it's, you know, I think everybody is, I think a lot of Iowans just feel good about where we're at right now. And that's going to reflect, you know, that's going to be beneficial to any, uh, politicians that they can credit for that. And the governor would be at the top of that list. So uh, I actually was a little surprised that her numbers weren't a little bit higher because of that, because of sort of the, the era of good feeling that we're sort of entering. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see as we go on and the, we start to see well-financed, you know, opposing efforts to tell the other side of the story about her performance, whether those numbers hold. If, if she's at 54% approval a year from now, then she's uh, going to be in pretty good shape for re-election. Despite, I, I guess, the mostly rosy glow from that Iowa poll, Amy, it appears that there are some Iowans who aren't fully on board the Reynolds bandwagon. And I'm thinking there was just 51% approval of her handling of voting laws, um, less than 50% approval of her handling of criminal justice issues um, and education. Um, so are, are we... Uh, moving ahead too quickly to assume uh, another Reynolds term? Well, we're a year out, right? A year and a half. I mean, probably if if that holds, you know, we've got a whole other legislative session to go through um, and all new issues to love or hate her for. Um, one of the interesting things, though, to me about the poll um, was that there was 74% of rural Iowans um, said that they supported her. So it's really going to come down to what constituents are going out to vote because it always comes down to that. Um, and so far, you know, obviously, if you're getting a lot of the rural vote and you can have those get out the vote, you know, things and actually get out the vote, that'll be good. If it turns out that these voting laws are actually going to be restricting people, especially in rural areas, from being able to get to the polls or get to the polls on time or get their ballot sent in on time, 
that could have a big effect. So, so it's really a lot of things are up in the air. Yeah. I wonder about that too, because maybe people got spoiled by the elections in 2020 when, uh, auditors and the not attorney general, the secretary of state made such an effort to, um, promote mail-in balloting. If, yep. if, if in 2022 people say like, Oh, you mean I have to go out and vote? Um, right. You think about elderly populations, uh, rural populations. Yeah, that could have an impact uh, on the outcome, I guess. Um, Republicans may begin to regret some of those restrictions they put in place um, to pr- uh, protect that integrity of the election. Um, they'll have to change the laws again to uh, protect the, the results. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because I think, you know, the drop boxes, the drop boxes didn't show that we're actually increasing votes, right? They sort of just took the votes that were going to happen in other ways and transferred them. You know, we knew that from the numbers. Mm-hmm. So it'll be really interesting to see if if those are taken away, if people are like, well, wait a minute, I, I really like that. And now I'm not just going to vote or if they will go back to the old ways. You know, I mean, even just reentry in general, we're seeing a lot of people saying, you know, I really didn't mind staying home or like, I really did like, you know, being able to get my groceries delivered. If we're saying we really liked the drawback or we really liked these increases in voting and now we're taking them away, does that decrease voting and does that help or hurt Reynolds? Yeah. Maybe voters like ballot harvesting. (laughs) Get get your dinner delivered and your ballot taken in uh, to the county auditor's office all in one operation. Um, That's right. <laughs> another finding in the poll was that just 46% of voters at this time said they definitely will vote for Reynolds. Tom, um, is that a good position for an incumbent? And, and is it surprisingly low in a state that favored former Don- President Donald Trump by 9% over Joe Biden? Uh, you know, certainly the numbers are trending in the right direction for Reynolds, which potentially bodes well for re-election prospects. But if you took a look at uh, morning consults rankings of the most popular and unpopular governors, Reynolds sits roughly in the middle of the pack um, based on the latest Iowa poll results, which don't appear to be reflected in in morning consults latest ranking. Uh, According to morning consult, Reynolds has a 44% approval and a 39% disapproval rating, placing her um, near the bottom of all U.S. governors. Um, And by comparison, the most popular governors in the country, all Republicans, according to Morning Consult's rankings, have approval ratings, you know, ranging from the high 50s to nearly 70 percent in the case of um, Republican governors, uh, Mark Gordon of Wyoming, uh, Larry Hogan of Maryland and uh, Charlie um, Baker of Massachusetts. Whereas the least popular governors, such as New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, um, who's been you know, dogged by investigations into allegations of sexual harassment and his administration's handling of the uh, COVID-19 in nursing homes. They have approval ratings in the 30s and 40s. And in Cuomo's case, he has a 47% approval rating and a 42% disapproval rating. So not far off from Reynolds. Um, And, you know, as you mentioned, for a state that supported Trump um, or excuse me, favored Trump so heavily in 2020 and, and given Reynolds support for the former president, the numbers do seem soft, um, especially when compared to like Florida's um, Ron DeSantis or uh, Texas Greg Abbott or Alabama's Kay Ivey. You know, Republican governors from solidly red states who've taken similar positions or enacted similar policies or agendas to that of Reynolds are 
vice versa, you know, and, and have approval ratings of 58% and disapproval ratings below 30%. Um, I don't know. As, as for why her approval rating is not higher, it may likely be an indication of just how polarized and divided the country has become, especially over the pandemic, with even Republicans attacking and criticizing Reynolds' comparatively lax COVID-19 restrictions as too heavy-handed, despite Reynolds being among the most aggressive governors to keep businesses open throughout the pandemic. And, and indeed, you saw in the register's reporting, um, you know, some of the responses from poll respondents who were critical of her decision to close public schools early in the pandemic, calling it, quote, ridiculous, and arguing, um, you know, students struggled to adapt to the changes. Yeah, there, there seems to be a lot of uh, parents who are divided on this, whether the school should be reopening. And, and certainly when the legislative legislature debated that um, bill to require 100% in-person uh, school, uh, we heard from a lot of parents who didn't think that was a good idea, who wanted something more of a, a hybrid approach. So there, there may be some people who uh, are haven't gotten over that and may not get over it. Um, so we'll have to see if those numbers improve. Um, I suppose taking a, a glass half full approach, uh, she needs to convince just 4% of the voters plus one to uh, win a second term. Uh, given her strong support from the GOP base, 88% uh, of Republicans said they were ready to reelect Kim Reynolds. Um, I guess that seems like it should be possible. Or uh, do those numbers uh, suggest there's an opening here for Democratic challenger? Amy, so far, uh, uh, Representative Ross Smith from Waterloo is the only challenger. Um, ha has he responded to this poll, made any comments about whether this is uh, good news or bad news? I haven't seen him respond to the poll. Um, he is currently on a 10-day tour of the state, though, I think trying to get his name out there. So I think that's probably what he's focused on right now. It might be a little early to to really be focused on polls, particularly since he wasn't obviously um, included in it, as far as I know. I don't think that they were asking that question at the time because he had just announced. So he's he's basically, I think, you know, trying to get his name out there. I think name recognition is his biggest hurdle at this moment. So he's really trying to um, get in the press, get to events, shake some hands, kiss some babies, and and try to work his way up so that people at least have a baseline understanding of who he is. So at this point, I don't think he's probably too worried about the polls. I think he's probably more worried about um, making sure people know his name in the same breath as they know Rob Sand. Tom? Yeah, I just want to jump in really quick. So one thing that was interesting to me is um, the poll showed that, uh, you know, there was only 3% unsure, meaning I think that there's a narrow slice of Iowans who have yet to make up their mind about the governor that could be swayed. So to me, I think that that signals that there is a narrow band of voters kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting to see who might emerge as a challenger to Reynolds. And I think that could leave a slight opening for a Democratic challenger. Not a big one, but I think there is a potential opening um, for, for Democrats um, if they can find the right candidate, one who can help the party make inroads in rural areas of the state, particularly in southeast Iowa, where Democrats have lost ground in the factory and river towns that they once dominated. Um, and, and I think maybe you're seeing that to some extent with um, Roz Smith and the tours that, that he's been taking. You know, he was in Davenport 
um, earlier this week. Um, and I think he was going kind of along those those river towns. I know that he was in Davenport talking primarily about um, flooding and the flooding issues that um, that, that uh, Davenport, his experience. Um, but um, again, I think the opportunity here for Democrats is um, if they can find the right candidate, if they can find someone who can convincingly argue and capitalize on a message that Reynolds and Republicans agenda, such as restricting voting access, banning the teaching of critical race theory in Iowa and, and, and more, if they can um, convince and capitalize on a message that's holding the state back and discouraging families, young professionals and businesses from locating to Iowa um, to replace an aging and stagnant population and filling worrisome workforce shortages, you know, if they can hammer the Republicans are more focused on conservative hot button issues and pushing forward conservative ideology, then, you know, focusing on, um, you know, kind of pragmatic, effective solutions to the issues and challenges facing the state and the, and the livelihoods of audience, uh, Iowans. Um, I, I think there is that narrow window, that narrow opportunity that, that, that Democrats can capitalize on this based on the polling. Well, we'll keep, certainly keep an eye on that uh, as we expect more people to get into this race, more Democrats to get into this race, um, and whether or not one of them is that right candidate. Uh, I, I think you're, you're certainly right. It has to be somebody who can make inroads into rural Iowa and some of those formerly Democratic uh, areas, uh, as you mentioned, like some of those river towns uh, where Democrats used to do real well and, and have seen their support drop. Speaking of uh, you know worrying about the numbers, um, 51% of the Republicans uh, polled in the Iowa poll said they would vote to re-elect Senator Chuck Grassley if the election were today, but another 37% say it's time for someone else uh, to represent the state in the U.S. Senate. Overall, 27% of Iowans say they would vote for the senator for life, but 64% think it's time for someone else to stand out, and that someone else was uh, unnamed and unknown. Uh, this was not a head-to-head -head poll. Uh, Grassley versus a specific candidate, but just someone else. Aaron, uh, th this tracks with an earlier Iowa poll this year that found that 55% of Iowans didn't want Grassley to run again. And that included uh, one in three Republicans, which uh, I, I'm guessing is probably the percentage of Republicans who uh, are 40 or younger and have uh, had Senator Grassley as their senator for their entire life. Uh, <laughs> On his weekly call with Iowa reporters, Grassley said he's not worried about the polls, uh, what they say about his reelection and whether he should be a candidate. Um, looking at these numbers, should he be worried? Not because of this poll specifically. Um, I, I will preface this by saying that Chuck Grassley may face a, a tougher election than he, he normally does. And um, it depends on the Democratic candidate, just like Tom was talking about with the, the gubernatorial race. Um, and, and again, to, to Tom's earlier point, just like every other race, we're getting more and more politically polarized. The days of a lot of crossover Chuck Grassley voters are, are kind of in the past. So, so, that, so he could face a difficult or at least more difficult challenge than he's used to. But I don't think that these... Um, these numbers, this specific poll, give any extra reason to be nervous. Um, as I believe we've pointed out on previous podcasts, and uh, uh, just last night, actually, I was at a Iowa Republican fundraiser, and Terry Branstead was there, one of the speakers, and, and he brought this up, and he's absolutely right. 
uh, he went through one of those uh, similar polls uh, a few years back where the uh, voters around this point in the cycle said it's it's time for someone else other than Terry Branstad to be governor. Then when the general election rolled around, he won uh, 98 out of the 99 counties. Um, so it's, um, you know, I, I, I honestly, and, and I, I, I almost hesitate to say this because um, I haven't had a chance to ask her about this. I'd, I'd love to. Um, obviously, Ann Selzer deserves all the respect in the world for the history with her polling, but I really don't understand the point of this question. It, it's, it's, it, to, to me anyways, and I'm, I'm not the expert here, so maybe there's something I'm missing. It seems like a completely useless question and, and poll result. It has, it has no, it, it gives us no indication whatsoever of, of Chuck Grassley's favorability or job approval or, or electoral prospects uh, down the road. I, I, I'd be interested to hear uh, genuinely, I, I say that genuinely, I'd be interested to hear um, why this question is seen to have any value whatsoever. Um, so, so, so that's a, that's a really long winded way of saying no. <laughs> do, do you think there's well, uh, some, go ahead, Todd. It's, it's kind of like last year when we had, you know, congressional candidates that had actually been, you know, had been picked and yet, and then they did generic ballot, polling in the districts instead of like asking people, would you rather vote for Ashley Henson or Abby Finkenauer? They asked him, would you vote for a Democrat or a Republican? Which didn't make any sense and seemed completely useless. I don't, I mean, there, there have been over the past few years, some very odd Iowa polls that didn't seem to accomplish much other than, you know, getting some attention. So yeah, I, I didn't, I don't understand the, the Grassley question either because you know, wanting someone new is a lot different than, you know, saying I'm definitely going to vote in someone new, even if they're a party, you know, the other party that I don't normally vote for. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. Exactly. It's a question that is going to be irrelevant come next November. Eventually, this is going to be a binary choice uh, between uh, the Democrat and the Republican. Um, so, so this poll question really gives us no insight into that. So, Aaron, you're not pretty much stocking these numbers, but uh, over at Senator Jim Carlin's uh, campaign headquarters, do you think uh, they're celebrating? <laughs> you need, when you're running a, an uphill campaign, you need all the reasons for optimism you can get. That may be plastered on their uh, campaign <laughs> office wall. If, if Senator Carlin has a campaign office, I bet. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he does. But <laughs> it may be just like my Answer podcast it office here. Yes. Yeah. It <laughs> could very well be. Uh, in the meantime, Senator Grassley has said he will announce whether he'll seek an eighth term, quote, in September, October, no later than November, because a year's long enough to campaign. And I guess especially when you're 87 years old and have been campaigning for office since 1959, a year probably is plenty of time. Todd, uh, what's the likelihood that in September, October, or November, that announcement will be anything other than what we expect, the, the beginning of a re-election campaign. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think he's running. I, I don't I don't think there's a lot of chance that he's gonna come out in November and say, Oh, I'm not running, have have fun, you know, with this uh, you know, what eight month primary campaign. You know, hopefully you can raise ten million dollars by uh, you know, New Year's Day, 
<laughs> or whatever you'd need and have fun at Christmas fundraising. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see really a scenario at this point where he, he doesn't run. I, I suppose it's possible if they, if they have some people in mind that, that are interested, that are going to be ready to, to jump in. I mean, I suppose that, you know, if he were to run, maybe an Ashley Henson has, has had a successful enough time fundraising that she could maybe jump into a, a campaign like that. She's well known in a part of the state with, you know, a lot of voters, but uh, voter rich Eastern Iowa, I think they used to call it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think he's running. I, I just, I, I think that's what's going to happen. Ashley Henson sort of um, tamped it down any speculation that she'll be running for yeah. uh, Senator this morning when she was asked about that and said, she's concentrating on doing her job in the first district and, and uh, appears, appears that she is not interested at this point um, in, in running for the Senate. Um, well, that's what they always say, though. I'm, I'm right. just, doing just before the they run right now, right before they decide to run for another job. But yeah, I, I like I say, I think I think Chuck's in for an eighth term and I think he's probably the still the prohibitive favorite, even though we have this, you know, 64 percent who want something new. I mean, 64 percent probably want a new car and a new house <laughs> and lots of new things. I mean, I want new stuff, but that doesn't mean I'm not just going to go ahead and use the old stuff because I can't, you know, yeah. afford the new stuff. <laughs> Senator Grassley was also asked uh, this week about what, whether his grandson, Pat Grassley, will succeed him. Um, and he certainly didn't encourage that uh, line of thought and, and uh, ended up by saying, well, you're going to have to go ask Pat, you know, <laughs> who doesn't seem to be showing much interest in, in moving on from role as Speaker of the Iowa House right now, but uh, that uh, <laughs> remains to be seen. Uh, moving right along here, the most recent uh, potential Republican presidential candidate to make their way to Iowa is former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, who spoke at a state Republican fundraiser in Des Moines last night. Aaron was there. How was the food? <laughs> You know, it's funny you say that. At one point, I was sitting next to Tom Beaumont of the AP, and we were joking about you you run and get me some dessert, and I'll run and get us some drinks and uh, make it worth our while being here. Never made it, though. The plan never came to fruition. <laughs> uh, I, I imagine raw meat was on the menu. <laughs> lots and lots of red raw meat, uh, political raw meat. That And, and I kind of touched on that in my coverage Um I mean, all, all candidates do that kind of thing, but it was pretty striking to me that, and <laughs> I don't mean to sound glib when I say this, but it's going to because it's the best way I can think of to describe it. It literally was like <clears throat> someone took a, um, you know, pick your spot, a, a spinning wheel or a, a, a box of, you know, the bingo balls in, in a full of conservative flash talking points and pulled them out and said, okay, make sure you get this one in here and make sure you get, I mean, she just checked off the full list uh, from, uh, you know, warnings about socialism to complaints about transgender athletes to um, praising Donald Trump um, to critical race theory. Like you mentioned, it really just was like going down all the checklists of if, 
if there's a hot point in conservative politics right now, Nikki Haley talked about it last night. So um, I guess a very efficient speech in, in, in that respect. She lost the bobsled vote when she called for boycotting the winner. <laughs> yeah, election. that was the one interesting thing, wasn't it? Yeah, it made a very decisive and unequivocal. Um... The hockey vote and the luge vote. It's all, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. lost it all. I'm and not sure that's big in Iowa. Is it the, the luge <laughs> vote? The, even the hockey <laughs> I, vote, I'm not sure. <laughs> I have no idea. You'll have to talk to Ann Seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm guessing that the hockey vote in Iowa is, is closely aligned with the Republican voters, just just guessing. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Aaron, you mentioned in your story that Haley and, and other speakers praised Governor Reynolds. And reading your story, I almost got the impression that maybe this was a little overdone, as if they think that she needs some help getting reelected. And the, then that, back to our first uh, topic today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that that's that was kind of my read on the room too. Like it, it was pretty clearly concerted and and uh, choreographed effort to to make sure we're let's make sure we're all talking about Kim Reynolds tonight. Uh, she's got a big one next year. So, and I mean, look, um, it, it's easy to um, you know kind of fall in line with oh, she's got good numbers. They've had a Republican governor for more than a decade now, but. But Ken Reynolds uh, only won by uh, just a hair under 3% last time out. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think Republicans are right to at least go into it expecting um, a tough battle. I, I, I will hazard a guess that she's she's the favorite going in regardless of uh, which Democrat runs. But but I would also say that it's it's far from a foregone conclusion that she'll, she'll win re-election. So, so yeah, that was my sense last night too, is there was definitely a let's make sure we're rallying around um, Governor Reynolds at, at the top of the ticket here, much more so than they also talked about Chuck Grassley, but but not in the way that everybody made sure to keep their praise on uh, Kim Reynolds. I guess that's because they all know that Grassley's going to retire. and <laughs> that, that must be it. Although Pat said, I'm going to be grandpa's number one cheerleader uh, until he decides to run again. So I, it, Pat seems to be he, oh, Pat, didn't just, as well. Pat didn't just say, go ask my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think I have heard him say that when, when he's been asked. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll probably hear more praise uh, of Governor Reynolds uh, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Haley, uh, Haley's visit sort of leads off a parade of potential presidential candidates coming to Iowa to meet with conservatives. Mid-July, the family leader will host Vice President Mike Trump, or Mike Pence. Vice President Mike Pence, uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, South Dakota Governor Christy Nome, and the Pillow Man at their annual summit in July. And we'll probably have more to talk about uh, regarding those visits on future editions on politics podcast today tell a friend and subscribe wherever you like your podcast send your fan mail to podcast at the gazette.com and you can find us on the home pages of the quad city times sioux city journal muscatine journal mason city globe gazette waterloo cedar falls courier and the cedar rapids mcfisto will take us out if you know an iowa band or musician who should be on our show send us a sound file and subscribe to on iowa politics 
for Aaron, Tom, Amy, Todd, and our producer, Stephen. I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Stay well.